Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here we go, boys and girls. Thank you for joining us for the latest edition of Three Squares Live. We are thrilled you are here. If you are joining us live, it is the Friday before the AFC and NFC Championship game. I noticed no one has mentioned yet my Chiefs attire. So we won't get into that. We might later. Depends on, on how the conversation goes, but we'll just kind of wait and see. Uh, Charlie Arnott here with the Center for Food Integrity and Look East, doing our best to help the food system stay trustworthy. My colleagues, Kevin Ryan and Susan Schwally. Hi, and I'm Susan Schwally from the NPD IRI, soon to be merged with announcing a name next month. And I study what consumers eat and why. Uh, and I am Kevin Ryan with Malachi Strategy and Research, and I help CPG and retail corporations uh, get uh, a foothold in innovation and strategy. Excellent. And our guest today on Three Squares is Nick Faraday. And when I read Nick's uh, bio, the rest of us will all feel somewhat insignificant and unimportant. Um, Nick is an executive director within Rabobank's research department in New York, specializing in food and consumer trends. Uh, he writes a fabulous newsletter called Talking Points, along with Kevin's uh, Culture Matters. They're the two things that I pick up every time they come into my inbox. Uh, Rabobank's clients span the entire global food and ag system, from farmers to agribusiness and food companies, with everything in between. He spends his time engaging with clients, promoting the bank's agenda, and striving for thought leadership, which he has in spades. The latter includes the letter uh, newsletter Talking Points, which I just referenced, which has proven to be very popular within the industry for being insightful, provocative, as well as providing a much-needed sense of perspective. And I think it's a perspective that I find uh, most interesting in there because it re represents a, a very interesting, diverse uh, group of, of uh, points of view. Nick has been working in food and agriculture for his entire career, starting in the 1990s at the Department of Agriculture in Papua New Guinea. This was followed by a rewarding period working at the UK's National Resources Institute on ag programs in developing countries in Africa and Asia, then switching to a more commercially focused consultancy-based work at LMC International. In between, he also lectured at the University of Papua New Guinea and the University of London, as well as being a part-time journalist for the Economist Intelligence Unit. No one's ever asked me to do anything as part of an intelligence unit. Um, Nick has been living in the US for the past 20 years with his two children who are now at university on the East Coast. Nick, thanks for spending a little time with Three Squares. Thank you. Uh, wonderful introduction. I almost wrote that myself. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Well, listen, we're going to focus today on something that I think everybody here can provide a, a slightly different perspective on, and that's your November talking points, Don't Let Them Eat Cake, which is focused on ultra-processed food. And I thought some of the insight and perspective that you brought there was very, very interesting. So we want to kick it off by asking you an easy one. Uh, are we in a recession and what will the Fed do with interest rates? <laughs> okay. yeah, that's a wonderful, a wonderful segue though. Yeah? yeah, 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 yeah. So so, so back, back to ultra processed food. If you could, I mean, it, it was fascinating, the, the number of different perspectives and the way you took a look at it. Would you just spend a minute or two unpacking it for us? 
Yeah, thanks. And, and thanks very much uh, for the invitation. I mean, bankers don't often get invited. We usually just turn up unannounced um, <laughs> the of, the, of the company. So you're, you're very brave to certainly invite a, a banker. Um, yeah, the, the, the whole world, I mean, the concept is is fascinating and, and it may or may not be a big issue depending on, on whether the consumer you know, gets hold of it. Uh, and so it was, it's been fun to write and to research and I've got to speak to a lot of different uh, people in the industry. Um, uh, the term itself refers to the degree of processing of food. And, and we're used to kind of maybe beating up on food, whether it's it's ingredients list, um, you know, too much sugar or salt or fat. And this scheme that's come out of Brazil, this NOVA classification, it's not the first way to define, or we've defined processed foods, but it's certainly taken off as puts food into four buckets from minimally to, to very processed. And so viewing food rather than through the ingredients list or the calorie count, but through the lens of processing, the degree of processing is, is, is really interesting. And, and of course, it's, it's, it's super relevant because um, and, and concerning because uh, there are some very um, troublesome correlations, not causation correlations, between consumption of these highly processed foods and poor health outcomes. And that wouldn't be a problem, Charlie, if this was like 1% of our diet. Right. But in fact, you know, in the UK, Canada and the United States, uh, where we're all sitting, uh, it's, it's over 50% of adults' calories, and it kind of covers 70% of the supermarket. So it's, you know, and that's the reference to, you know, don't let them eat cake. It's kind of Marie Antoinette thing. If we're going to avoid them. What the hell are we going to eat? You know, because <laughs> it's everything. So as, as we think about that, I'm going to introduce uh, Kevin. We'll ask you to comment on it, then Susan, and then, you know, there's some other things that you talk about, but I think you, you set the stage very well, Nick, in, in terms of the percentage of our diet. And, you know, in the U.S. now, we spend more on diet-related health care than we do on tobacco-related health care. And so this is not just a, a, an interesting issue. It's one of pressing concern individually, but collectively, as you think about public health issues. Kevin, you work with a lot of CPG companies. You came from General Mills, where you led innovation. What's your perspective on this? Where are we headed? Because we think about, you know, fortifying food in some ways can be perceived as very positive and very healthful. Uh, and yet we're, we're in this conundrum is, is you know... Which, which ultra-processed food is good? Which ultra-processed food is bad? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely something that the industry is aware of. I mean, at least aware of the term, and I've heard it thrown around, you know, by clients. I think part of the issue is, uh, I think, exactly something that Nick mentions in his his newsletter, which is the definition of it is very difficult. You know, like, is there more than one degree? I mean, you know, I think, Nick, you talk about it as there's three Three, three levels of processing. Is there more than that? Could you make, you know, I mean, so there's a lot of conversation. And then, of course, there's a lot of, you know, uh, discussion about what does it mean? And, and what, what, what could it mean to health? And what could it mean? Uh, what are you giving up if, you know, you process it less, but then it becomes less convenient? And I think I know you speak about that, too, you know, so I think it's definitely on the radar of of uh, CPG companies and and things, but I think the the jury's still out for a lot of them. They, you know, uh, because of the the trade offs, because of the pluses and minuses that could be there, um, because you know it, it is a new it is a new concept for many. And I think you also point out, Nick, that it's it it, it hasn't risen to a high enough level with consumers that very few are calling it out yet. Right. So Susan, yeah. I mean, I was looking at Nick's third point. Um, you know, will will the consumer wait for the science? What do you yeah. what do you what does your consumer research tell us? Well, 
I have some numbers. Ooh, we love numbers. Um, so to, to Kevin's point, it's kind of hard to A, define it, and consumers don't understand the term ultra-processed foods, but they know about processed foods, right? We all lived through clean label. What was that, 10 years ago? Seems like it. Yeah. Seems like it. Maybe it was, wasn't. And that's when we started tracking, quote, clean eating, which is also open to uh, interpretation. But what we found mm -hmm. is, is generally the definition is avoiding processed foods, although they would consider bread okay, and you might consider that process. Okay, so let's just see what we can, let's peel an onion together, guys. So first of all, it, consumers always seem like they're contradictory, right? Um, and they're very fragmented. So, but against that backdrop, think about the fact that you and I are all making multiple decisions every day, 365 days about what we're going to eat. And it varies on the time of day, the need in the moment, our life stage and the healthfulness of our, our bodies, right? So that's the backdrop. Um, I want to start big. Um, there's a couple metrics we track related to this. So in terms of adults 18 plus who tell us they're seeking more whole foods slash unprocessed foods. Now, again, that's their interpretation. It's 22%. So about a fifth of adults say they're seeking to get more of those whole foods or unprocessed in their diet. 27%, another metric, another way to look at this of adults say they are actively avoiding preservatives. Now I'm sure there's some overlap there, right? I'd love, I'd love to know how they're doing that. I would too. Yeah. <laughs> they say they are okay? okay. Again, this is consumer, but I mean, this yeah, is yeah. intent, right? Really what sure. we're talking about. Sure. Another metric is we do literally ask about diets. And so one of them is, is of adults, are you on, are you following a clean eating diet? Pretty narrow. That's about 5%. It's strongest amongst adults, 18 to 24. It's about five mm -hmm. and a half. You could stretch that to six. Now that's not potentially the only diet that can give us an idea of that. So I aggregated some things that might lend you towards clean eating. I put together paleo, keto, whole 30, uh, food map, AIP proto AP protocol, all those things. I can get to 15%. And keep in mind, only about half of us are on a, adults are on a diet at any given time. Yeah. So you also I mean, have to add in though, that there are people doing dirty keto. There are um, people doing dirty keto and the number one diet is my own diet. Right. And yeah. that may be me saying, I'm going to avoid this because it feels too processed or not, or, you know, whatever yeah. I'm doing. Okay. So, I, I, I just got to interrupt. I, this is a family show. I don't even know what dirty keto is. Can we talk about that publicly? Is that well, okay? Yeah. Yeah. You can talk about it as far as I know. Yeah. It's uh, it, so basically the, you know, the basic, the original keto was, you right. know, doing high fat, uh, you know, low carb, no low carb. carb high protein diet yeah. that was based on whole foods more or less. It was, you know, meats from, you know, whole cuts and all that kind of stuff. Dirty keto is sourcing your high fat, high protein, low carb diet from maybe a fast food outlet, buying a burger and just oh, Slim starting Gyms. to Slim Gyms. There you go. Yeah, Slim Jims, whatever it may be, but it's a highly processed, more highly processed form right. of keto, but it's faster. Speaking back to the convenience aspect of it. Yeah. So, by the way, none of those metrics are really growing. They're fairly, fairly stable, but I want to flip to. What are the barriers or the challenges that consumers tell us are to healthy eating? Because Nick talks about some of, of these. Um, so the anyone want to tell me the number the number one challenge to eating healthy? Labor. Cost, cost, cost yeah. 
cost. Affording yeah. healthy foods. The perception of affording healthy foods. Hmm. Number two is a tie. That's 37%, by the way. A little over a third say, and it's- Cost too much. It's flat. It's kind of flat, believe it or not, because everything's expensive. Right. Number two at 35%, cooking, prepping healthy meals, just doing it and related to it, maintaining that routine. So this speaks to the convenience piece of this, the challenge of it. And that's why I think ultra processed foods for two, twofold. The latest thing has been make my indulgent item permissible because food is as much about emotion as it is about a biological need. Right. And the other piece of it is, is help me get the dinner on the table for the 300th time this year. Right. Might be a little less. Yeah. So I do, I do think the biggest bat, you know, as Nick talks about is the convenience and the, the cost piece of this for people. And those always reign supreme, right? That's always what's top of mind of, of the consumer. Nick, based on the definitions that you gave uh, in your paper, um, mm -hmm. do, is, is ultra processed food growing? I know that might be a very difficult metric to find, but is it growing or are we flat? Have we kind of, you know, yeah, it, 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 from, from the conversations I've had, I mean, it's um, certainly in, in like in the Google terms, you're absolutely right. No one's talking about a, a, the, right. the consumer, um, which is kind of why I wanted to bring it up so that companies could, you know, put it in their scenarios going forward. Because as we know, food companies are often on the losing side of arguments, you know, right. and, and right. science be damned, right? Right, um, right. But um, the, 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 the concept, I think, you know, is new in, in, in the sense that food has become more processed over time. And, and I kind of tried to talk to that about what are the drivers, you know, it's the competitive pressures of producing food, you know, out there and, right. and the push towards least, you know, least cost formulations um, to try and get, get your product out there. So the striving towards efficiency has led to a kind of an increase in the number of ingredients that we have in our products and also the demands we place on these packaged foods or foods that go into restaurants or, or anywhere right. else where they mm -hmm. need to sit on the shelf. You got to build in travel. the value add for the consumer, right? To get sure. them to pay more. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, that, that, that's, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to, to try and bring it out as a, as a subject to certainly to our clients and to, and to the wider industry was just that um, I kept coming up against the same argument amongst food companies where they would like throw their hands up in the air and say, you know, everything's processed, you know, what can we possibly do about this? Yeah. And then it was only those kind of further almost interrogations that I would give them that they would suddenly realize that um, they were on thinner ice than they thought because everyone wanted to keep taking the conversation back to the ingredients whereas what these guys are looking at is the you know is there or is there not something about the degree of processing and you know we have to remember that in other parts of the world the the the, the evidence that's already in the public domain has been sufficiently persuasive for public health agencies around the world you know france um israel mexico brazil chile to start using the language of ultra-processed foods and advising the, their populations to avoid. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and so that's why I keep coming back to it for clients is this like, you, you need a plan for this um, because okay. uh, if the consumer makes up their mind about it, you know, regardless of the science in the way that we made up our minds about gluten-free or non-GMO, then as, as Charlie and you all know from your own experiences, the consumer can turn very quickly and those yes. three, four percent that Susan's talking about can suddenly become the majority because it becomes synonymous with a healthy diet. Well, look what's happened to CSDs. 
no carbonated yeah. soft drinks. That's been yeah. on a long-term decline. Look at hot dogs. I mean, there's lots of mature yeah. categories that the consumer caught onto something and that's related to processing and ingredients, right? It's just, you're right. What's the next fire? And I don't think anything's really catching yet. Uh, Soybean isolate or whatever you talk about. Yeah, I know it's my, it's not caught yeah. fire yet. Yeah. But yeah. what I think is interesting though, is, is that the things that need to be more processed in many ways is the healthiest type of food. And I know, Nick, you kind of mentioned that. It's interesting is, you know, if I look around and I look at things that, you know, fit the definition that that you give, Nick, I look at things that are, you know, oftentimes in your natural food stores, your isolates, your, and then you take the isolates and you mix it into a bar or into something else. So it's interesting how an increase in much more clean eating in some ways has, uh, you know, a lot of these products fit there. So I think that's an interesting, you have to do more processing because the product that you're trying to, or the things you're trying to get more of are yeah. more difficult to get to without a lot of processing. Yeah. So, and, I, and I wonder if that's going to be one of the reasons that this doesn't catch fire from a consumer perspective, because it's so complex and it's easy to confound, right? Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's, am I going to put the, the soy isolate bar in the same box as my bag of Doritos? Probably right. not. Right. They, they both might qualify as ultra processed, but I, my perception is that one is healthier for me and one is not. Mm -hmm. And so I think, Nick, to your point, part of what has driven the conversation in, in some of those other geographies that you mentioned is, is an understanding, particularly if you have a public health system, of the public health cost, right? And so people are looking to see if we want to deal with, with the impact of, of diet on health and the government is paying for health care, we're going to spend a little more time focused on diet. And we don't do that here. No. So I just wonder if there's a policy impact there that, that impacts those countries differently. It, it's also, uh, Charlie, it could be that we're, we're, we've kind of passed, I don't want to be too pessimistic because the note is meant to be optimistic, like comes up with suggestions for, you know, turning this into an opportunity for food companies and a point of differentiation. But it is uh, to the extent that we're already over 50% of our calories. In other parts of the world, like Portugal's, you know, uh, ultra processed foods are only 10% or something, mm -hmm. right? And so in a way, you, you know, you, you can get the consumer in early and warn them because it is less part of their, their daily routine as, mm -hmm. as Susan uh, was talking about but it we've kind of gone down some very uh, um, some different pathways to possibly the way that we should be um, addressing these issues so we focus on the macros we focus on the protein content and the carb and um, we're kind of oblivious to the complexity of food and I'm, I'm not a, a nutritionist or I'm well, for a bank for, for food's sake but it is blowing my mind reading some of this stuff around the you know the complexity of food and how little we know about all the different you know molecules within food that are not tracked and the implications of our diet on things like our microbiome microbiome which we know absolutely nothing about and 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 and, and it just adds you know, to your point where we're kind of it's very hard to boil this down to a simple message for consumers other than avoid if the science does deliver a, a result on what the processes are, because it just opens up all these new doors showing the greater complexity around food and diet. Yeah, I so think to it, that point, oh, uh, Kevin, let me ask you a question. But first, Nick, you may not be a nutritionist, but your your accent adds at least 20 points to your IQ. So true. from that true. standpoint, you, you could With be glasses, a nutritionist. Right? You could be a nutritionist. You could get away with it. 
any of any of those would work. So Kevin, I'm, I'm interested. You said you know the the clients that you're working with and others in the food system focusing on innovation are are aware right of of the challenge and the concept, but are they taking any action? I mean, are you seeing any innovation in this space that that takes this issue into account? And then Nick, I want to come back and transition into what you see as those opportunities. Yeah, no, I I do think that they are, but of course they're 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 trying to understand where the conversation is going. You know, a lot of people think that you know the food industry is trying to always lead that conversation, but oftentimes they're trying to see what consumers want. You know, they're trying mm-hmm. to look. So if anything, though, I am seeing is the idea, and I think Nick, you talk about this, is like plant based and how a lot of the plant based alternatives were have been singled out to be very processed, and you're you are starting to see a turn there toward more simple, uh, you know, ingredients. So you're seeing the increase in, you know, uh, fungal based, fungus based uh, uh, meat alternatives, microalgal meat alternatives that give you a much more simple, quote unquote, uh, you know, ingredient deck. So I think if I'm seeing it anywhere, I'm seeing it there. I do think there is, you know, there is some research being done and some, you know, some, some of the bigger CPGs, I think are putting money in to understand things uh, about the microbiome and about uh, the fiber that's lost, Mm -hmm. for example, in processing and trying to understand that. So you're seeing that, for example, I think it was Kraft Heinz that is investing in, uh, you know, some fiber work. So I think that there is some some work done, but I wouldn't say that it's hugely, uh, you know, a significant part of their innovation pipeline. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting asked a lot about it. I know, Charlie, you want to get back to Nick. I will say probiotics, seeking of probiotics is one of the things that's growing among consumers right now. And by the way, protein's flattened. Yeah. That's been the darling. It's flattened. But or anyway. How, how, how much pork can, more can we eat? <laughs> when it comes well, to if, if, if it's bacon, I would say a pound a day would be a good place to start. But that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Nick, you identified five opportunities in in your in your newsletter. You want to just give us a quick update or yeah, overview of um, those five? Sure, I'll, I'll go through a couple, but let me uh, just just to back up a little. I mean, I think you know the jury is out as, as to whether we can point the finger at processing right now, right? Yeah. Because I think um, obviously there's been a lot of um, correlations and people have made implications and stuff. And there's been a couple of studies trying to look at the, you know, take out the ingredients of the equation. So the only thing that varies is, is, is processing, but there's still lots of question marks. So it's not just the scientists who um, need to understand it, but the food industry itself has to kind of figure this out as well, um, because otherwise um, they won't know how to respond um, properly. But in terms of the opportunities, I mean, it's it's kind of one of the, the first one, the obvious one really is that, you know, most things that leave the farm gates are un, highly un, unprocessed, right? Single ingredient, you know, whether it's uh, animal products, milk um, or, or so on. And, and those kind of traditional processing techniques that have been around in cultures for hundreds, if not thousands of years, no one is saying no to processing. That's also very we're not, you know, no one is advocating, you know, vegan diets and, and any of this sort of minimally processed nature. It's yeah, so don't bring back uh, raw food. Raw food is probably yeah. not coming back. Oh, Maybe yeah, don't is. start on the carrot thing. <laughs> All of those things. But in terms of um, when, you know, we often hear how, you know, the agriculture sector is always on the back foot, the back foot and always being beaten up by current trends. The idea that something kind of moves in their favor um, where, there is a question mark over highly processed foods. It then points to the more minimally processed, the traditionally fermented uh, and processed foods. So I think that's 
that's a big win. And, and the, you know, the consumer's kind of primed for this, as you guys mentioned, in terms of clean labels and, and, and those type of things. And companies have, for the last 10 years, been trying to clean up the ingredients list. Um, I mean, possibly for the wrong reasons, because often the arguments are, don't eat anything you can't pronounce and all of these right. things. So it's kind of almost ironic that those guys may have been right, but for, for different um, for reasons. So I think there is, it wouldn't come as like a bombshell to food companies. So well, we're kind of on a curve for this already. So how do we step that up? Um, and then it's, it's kind of a case of like, well, you know, do we need to start thinking about how we used to make bread 20 years ago and what's changed in the last 20 years? And, you know, are some of those things, um, you know, is it possible to reverse engineer some of that stuff and go back to an earlier more maybe more traditional forms of, of, of processing. Because again, it may not be that we're adding stuff that's causing the damage. It could be just the degradation of the food during all these processing steps mm -hmm. that's actually you know, um, the problem and whether it's just a fiber thing. And, and then there's always the, the you know, the, the exit solution. So you have companies out there um, like, you know, Benson Hill that's trying to come up with a high uh, protein uh, soybean flour, I think. So rather than having a, a highly processed ingredient, uh, which is unrecognizable from, from its, um, its original food, you can actually produce foods that kind of have those processes, so you, those benefits. So you can kind of cut out processing steps. Um, all in, of course, ultimately trying to deliver tasty, affordable products to consumers. Right. It's almost right. possibly impossible, you know, uh, to, to square the circle. Yeah, but it's fun to think about the puzzle, right? I mean, that that's part of the, the challenge that I think intrigues us and intrigues a lot of folks in the food system is how do we do a better job of anticipating what's coming, what's next, and how do we prepare for it in a way that uh, meets consumers' needs and also helps us achieve our other objectives in terms of protecting and enhancing the planet and uh, achieving the profitability that allows the food system to sustain. So, yeah, excellent. I just, just on that, Charlie, I mean, I do think that um, if, if the food industry had a great track record of being able to rebuff things that were untrue, um, then, then I'd be less concerned for the state yeah. of the future of the industry. But the fact that they all, you know, they kind of fall on their face in these, you know, uh, yeah. questions like gluten-free and, and GMO, I, I do work. And, potentially CRISPR also, I do worry that they, they are not thinking about this seriously enough to have some robust challenges and to promote the kind of non-controversial benefits of processed food. Um, yeah, which we yeah. I think that's right. We, you know, the, uh, when I was reading the newsletter the first time and, and heard the common response, well, everything's processed. I just dropped my head. I thought, oh, come on, really? That's <laughs> the best we can do is to say everything is processed. Um, you know, because that is kind of the uh, the, the typical response where we fall back on science and, and hope science will carry the day. And we know from history that it certainly will not. So no, that's not what's going to be shared on social media. That's right. That's you can't right. Control the message. Yep. Nick, thank you. You're willing to act. You're, you're more than uh, happy to, or you're more than, what am I trying to say? You're more well, than wants you to come back sometime. No, 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 not that. He can stick around. That's what I'm oh, trying to say. Me, he doesn't want me to come back. <laughs> oh, what? No, we want you no, to come back. We absolutely come back. But we're also going to do what the food. You're happy to stick around for that. You're not happy. I can't tell whether you're happy or not. We are happy to have you stick around if you'd like to. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it's easy for me to say. Uh, Nick Faraday, Executive Director within Rabobank's Research Department, New York. Thank you so much. If you've not signed up for, where do they go if they want to sign up for the Talking Points newsletter, Nick? They probably better email me and bypass the rubber bank, but that might get me into trouble. But yeah.
All right. So if you need contact information, reach out to one of us. We'll connect you with Nick and we'll make sure you're on the uh, talking points list. So Nick, thanks again. And Kevin, you are up. I believe we'll have another quiz and, quiz. and I am, I am, I, I won the last one. We tied on the one before. So I, I don't know. I, th I oh, feel like yeah, we have three no quizzes doubt. and I'm up too. Oh, that's not. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to, we're going to drop three play flag. I think I on this Halloween. one, we'll go back and listen to that's them true. again. So yeah. Speaking of replay flags, Kansas City might have a chance at the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, but with Mahomes injured, I don't know. So yeah, we but could Brady's spend another not going to do it. So you might, no, well, you no. might have a chance. Yeah. He needs teenies to retire, but that's a whole other whole other segment. So, all right, <laughs> Kevin, what the food? What the food? All right. Well, uh, in honor of uh, talking about processing and things, I thought I'd do a processing quiz because we've been we've been uh, you know oh. to your to your. So we're gonna mm. understand. See how much know you about processing? Of course, it's gonna be multiple choice. So I'll know more because I grew up at the dawn of the microwave. Charlie grew up at the dawn of okay. the pickling and fermenting and <laughs> yes. so I, I know all of these things yes. Yes. all right all right so let's 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 start off i got a couple questions for you so uh which of the following food processing methods were invented in a contest sponsored by napoleon to create better long-lasting food I know. for the army now Canning. it's 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 a multiple choice multiple oh. choice a pasteurized <laughs> milk b margarine c canning d freeze-drying shall we say c Canning. I said it. I said it first. Canning. canning. We can both Charlie? have the same thing. Yeah, canning. You're saying canning? I'm Actually, thinking. it's a trick question. It's both B and C. What's B? B was margarine. Oh, so oh, margarine yeah. was invented uh, by a, a gentleman named, and I'm going to totally get this wrong, Ippoli Marge Moraes. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. My French is horrible. 1869, in, in, in response to a challenge by Napoleon III to create a butter substitute. And so he took tallow, melted it down. But the interesting part of this is he also added in udders. For some reason, he chopped up udders, put it in there to make oleomargarine. He thought the udders were very important. Later, Ooh, later Charlie and I might that. vomit. Realized yeah. that the, the, the udders were not necessary. And then canning was invented in challenged by Napoleon the first in 1809 by Apert, who was a brewer and a confectioner. So wasn't that all about food supply chain with the army? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A, mm -hmm. An army travels on its stomach, as they yes, say. That's so right. yes. But a lot of things have been invented due to army rations. So True. that's absolutely so I'll, so, bet, okay. I'll, bet Napole I'll bet Napoleon said, I can't believe it's not utter. That's probably yes. Oh, that's Charlie. Oh, <laughs> all right. <geez>. Moving on. <laughs> oh, Moving on. <laughs> it's a negative uh, point for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question two. You're, you're tied so far. Uh, when mechanical refrigeration was first invented, that's like mechanical, like an air conditioner, not, uh, you know, not ice just block. ice. Mm -hmm. uh, which industry was the first to use it at scale? Was it A, beer making, B, vegetable shipping, C, chocolate makers, or D, meat packers? Well, it depends mm -hmm. on what you mean by scale. I'm going to go D, meat packers. Because yeah. I know it, it, it was the one that really, we used to have to bring the animals to the city. And yep. then we took the refrigeration to the country and that changed the entire meatpacking business. Mm -hmm. I'll say meatpacking. They were a close second. Ooh. Vegetables. So Chocolate. actually beer, brewing. Beer, beer was the first beer one to use to... it. So meatpackers. Okay. So it's the idea, the introduction of lager into the United States mm -hmm. was a big deal. And you could, you know, think about it. If you're trying to brew and you've got a warm area a warm you know area they would over ferment it would blow oh. the bottles up so meat packers stayed with ice 
for a oh. long time before they got so refrigeration and air conditioning and all that kind of stuff was was used in brewing way before not way before but decades before uh, it was it was moved into meat 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 was a quick follow um though as well shoot well i'll, I'll enjoy right. a pint to that tonight yeah there you go be more beer centric all right question three there's four questions question three the discovery of this food processing technique involves world war ii airplanes and a mr good bar candy bar was it a irradiation b spray drying c mre production or d microwaving I'm going to go with MRE, but I could be completely wrong. Okay, Susan? They had to do with an airplane? Airplanes, World War II, and a Mr. Goodbar. And what was it, irradiation? There's something here about Mr. Goodbar. Irradiation, spray drying, MREs, or microwaving. I'm going to go spray drying. You are both incorrect. It is D, <laughs> microwaving. 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 So a gentleman named Percy Spencer, who was an engineer, he was working on magnetrons, which are used in radar. He was walking around at Raytheon with the Mr. Goodyear bar in his back pocket, and he realized that every time he got near the magnetron, the candy bar melted in his back. <laughs> <laughs> and radar, uh, Raytheon decided, hey, this is this is interesting. So they actually patented it in 1941, I believe, or 1939. And they hmm. patented the first and, and marketed the first microwave called the radar range. Do you remember oh, the radar? I range? do remember the radar. That's why range. it's called yeah. the radar range. Yeah, I'll because be it was actually came from that. So, all right, where are we at? Are we tied? We're are you tied? tied? Yeah, because we we, hmm. we we both are not doing very well. <laughs> all right, here's well, actually, I have two more questions. So we'll see. Let's see. Okay, all next right. question. Which of the following modern sounding food processing techniques was first used by the ancient Inca? Was it A, freeze drying, B, irradiation, C, omic heating, or D, fluidized bed drying? There's two? There's one. Oh, which of the following? Two. No, which of the following was used by the ancient Inca? Inca? Even though they all sound very modern. Freeze drying, irradiation, omic heating, or fluidized bed drying? I don't even know what omic heating is. Fluidized bed Bed drying. Okay. Susan's got D. Charlie? Just to be different, uh, it can't be freeze drying because they didn't have access to free. Well, they might have. No, I'm going to say the one that I have no idea what it is. The omic heating? Yeah. All right. You're both wrong. It was freeze drying. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I should have stuck it. with my first intuition. So Shoot. there is a product that they that, that it's still made, actually, in Peru and Bolivia. And I'm probably mispronouncing. I think it's called Chuno which is you take potatoes, you bring them up to an extremely high elevation, you and they freeze so quickly and oh, so yeah. dry, and then they stomp them with their feet and they dry more. And what they ended up with was basically potato flakes. They basically so, ended with potato flakes. Kevin, I thought you were gonna say the thing about adding lye to corn. No, 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 that's not it. That's nixtamalization, okay. but that's- oh, okay. Close. That's a that's a that's a processing technique. Are we still tied? Okay, I have one more. We'll oh, we are still tied. <laughs> because we're doing so poorly. You Which of the following really easy? I, Can you yeah. make it easy for me? I I thought these were easy. I thought these were easier. <laughs> oh my <laughs> Which, okay, this, this one. This one you should be able to get. Which of the okay. following okay. vitamins are the most sensitive to food processing? As in that when you process, they're most they likely degrade. to be destroyed mm. or be okay. Is it vitamin D? Vitamin K? Vitamin C 
or vitamin E? Which one of those four, D, K, C, or E, do you think is the most likely to be degraded by- I'm going E. E. I'm Susan's going K, just in. so we're not the same. I'm going K. Just so You're we're... both wrong. It's C, water-soluble vitamins. Thing. So C and Bs, which I didn't put in the list, but C. <laughs> C will go away right really quick. Any kind of water, any kind of heat, C usually degrades, which is why- But it's I... an orange juice, right? Is that because it's in the oranges? It's usually fortified back. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but Susan, although the most common fortification, on Charlie, vitamin we, D, I don't they usually think add D and folic acid. More. There's no bragging rights. All right, no. so you're still tied. You're Between still tied. Kevin and Nick, I don't feel so bright. No, 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 no. This is. This but you is learned are you some a Nebraska things. watch, by the way. We did. So it is a Nebraska watch. Yes, where yeah. the N stands for knowledge. The N stands for yes. knowledge. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, you're right, still tied. Uh, you are still tied. Kevin, Susan, thank you. Nick, thank you so much. It's been fabulous to be with you again. Be sure to uh, tune in. You can watch this uh, on your favorite or listen to it on your favorite podcast streaming device. We hope you will join us again. Leave us some comments and we will see you on the next episode of Three Squares Live. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.